Jeremy is here. Hey, Jeremy. Sharp. Hey, man. Hey, Ruben. Yeah, we're we're a little early. Just a little early. That's okay. It's right on time. Oh, we were early. Yeah. We were a little early. Don't worry. You're not late. You're just professional. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, Jeremy and Woody, thank you guys for uh, being on the pod. I feel like a new man. I will admit this to you guys. I uh, went on a quick little vacation this week, and I used the bidet for the very first time. <laughs> and I will be honest to you guys, I am a new man. You look a lot fresher than you know? in the other episodes. Yeah. <laughs> I am. Uh, I don't know if I can go back. I can't go back. I need to buy a tushy or something. I've never. I've never indulged personally. It's it's something yeah I definitely recommend it I wasn't sure I went to the Madonna Inn which is in San Luis Obispo uh, yeah. and uh, I was like well let's give this thing a whirl they got one it looks uh, high quality <laughs> and uh, <laughs> of course they have the days in every restroom yes and it was it was heavenly yeah how are, but let's get into how are you guys doing how how are we today what are you good oh yeah I'm fine typical. Typical day. The sun's shining, which is nice. I'm in Chicago, by the way. Yeah, I saw that. I saw, well, I'm I'm friends with Paul Cherry, and I saw you were on his story. I'm like, we'll get to that. But yeah, sorry, Jeremy, how are you doing? Also good, you know, nothing to report. Another day in the pandemic. Where where are you at in the the United States or not? I'm in Los Angeles. Okay, cool. Oh, hell yeah. Well, what, yeah. Okay, so Woody, I did see you. What What are you doing with Paul Cherry? What was going on this past weekend? Oh, we made a song together. Really? I, yeah, I gave him a demo, uh, probably one that Jeremy rejected. <laughs> <laughs> whenever I whenever I do songs with other people, it's like songs Jeremy didn't want to do, or he didn't. <laughs> Don't tell Paul Cherry that. But <laughs> um, no, but I really love the song, and I I think you'll like it too. And actually, Jeremy, I was thinking about you because we should. He's like working in this studio in Chicago, and it was one of the nicest recording experiences I've had. It's like Ooh. really relaxed and it was a different thing than what we've done before. And I want to work together. What, what, what was the demo called? Do you remember what the demo was named? Big Relief. It's kind of like a, like a creep. Do you actually remember these? It I feel like, like a, I do remember it. Yeah. It's like this creepy, weird chord, <laughs> like mystery novel. Cool. Yeah, yeah, I remember. I don't know what that means. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You'll like it. You'll dig the tune, though. That's awesome. Wait, so what makes this studio so different and special than what you guys are usually used to? What is it that you like about it? Well, Jeremy wasn't there, but it was, uh, one, I wasn't paying for it, right. which That's will be different, nice. probably, yeah, if yeah. we weren't there. Uh, he was just doing it as, you know, we've trade. I'd play keys on his stuff sometimes, cool. I guess now, uh, or I did. And, uh, so we weren't worried about time and it was like, it's, uh, it's, there's no way to say this without sounding a little mean, but it's like shittier than the studio that we worked at. Mm-hmm. Like you can hear like bands practicing and yeah. the, the electric keyboard company is right next door. And like the radio is playing through one of the channels the whole time. <laughs> and it's just like a very different feeling. I don't know. You can imagine that, right, Jeremy? Yeah. I mean, you know, um, Woody and I have recorded in like living rooms and, right. you know, in our houses. That's true. That's and true. then for, for the last two records, we, we paid money to be in a studio, mm. which has its own, you know, uh, bonuses and and negatives but there is something about like going to your friend's living room and making his roommate have a horrible day because <laughs> you're recording a band all day that adds a little something to a recording process maybe i don't know was there was there like something you guys wanted to achieve that you couldn't achieve inside the living room that's why you went into a studio or what was the idea going into a studio well so um Woody and I have been recording together for a long time, making music together for a long time. And it was usually for like my projects, Mm. like my stuff. And then um, how I remember it. Also, Woody and I don't really talk about this stuff. Like we don't really even talk talk at all. We don't talk about what the music music means to us. So I feel like we could have a lot of disagreements about potential things. But um, (laughs) 
<laughs> so there, essentially we recorded one record and I mixed it and essentially Woody hated how I mixed it. And he was like, that's not okay. Keep like, going. Uh, Whatever. Keep going. <laughs> Speak your like, point. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, uh, okay, let's keep making music together. But the next record, I, I got to be involved with the mixing because you did such that's a That's all mix. I said. <laughs> I didn't say that first part. <laughs> so that's, that's, that's like how Woody and Jeremy started. And that's how probably we got involved in the studio thing to just try to make something that, you know, <clears throat> sounded very good, whatever that means. But yeah. now that we've done it, maybe there's other places to go. But you've worked with Paul Cherry or you know him? or Yeah, I did. Uh, I did. Uh... You know, I heard Paul Cherry while I was at South by Southwest, and this is like 2018, and I was like, damn, I love this record. It sounds so good. And then I was like, I got to be friends with this guy. So I booked him a show in Santa Barbara because, you know, no one ever stops in Santa Barbara, but we were able to get him a show. And then uh, maybe a few months later, I was like, yo, man, I have these group of songs. Would you be down to produce it? We flew him out. And oh, same cool. same vibe in a practice space at this place called Bedrock in LA, and uh, you can hear other bands fucking playing like playing like covers and shit like right next door to us and the bass is just like oh no i hope this doesn't interfere with our recordings but yeah it worked out great so yeah. did you did you record in a practice room or did they have a studio at bedrock it was no it was a uh, in the practice room that they converted into a studio wow because i've practiced at bedrock and it's yeah there's a lot of a lot of noise it wasn't yeah. that bad i mean it, it's one of my favorite recordings i've made in recent cool. times like the sounds are are delicious you know, yeah. I don't want to give the impression that it was like, <laughs> it just puts you in a different mindset. Cool. You know, when you're not in a place where everything's, where you feel like everything costs a lot of money mm. and it's like, I don't know. You know what did I'm saying? Feel, it was yeah, more did relaxed. You feel, yeah, you felt more relaxed. Did you feel like that ultimately led to a better recording or just the way the environment? Just the way you approach composing. You're not listening like, yeah. you know, like, Finally, you're, you're just like, what's the best idea? You know, yeah. let's get the best ideas out when we're composing a song. You know, it, you, you don't listen minutely and change little mm. things. Absolutely. That's the deal. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I, I thought it was good. It was just more of like, uh, you know, whatever. Just try and drown out the other bands around us and just get to the recording process and do what feels right but then ultimately we still after he left we were like i think we could do some overdubs hold on so we just worked on it after he left so i don't know in that way i get nervous because i feel like uh uh it's never done but eventually it has to be done like how do you guys deal with that because you know with this digital age you guys can just keep going and going and going when is the song over for you <laughs> yeah i mean when we started releasing the album uh like very quickly after the everything was done you know the the when the masters were done um so we were like working up on it till like right when we put it out but that might be more our fault than anything mm. um but yeah we recorded all this stuff in kind of like one or so this new album gravy and my coffee recorded it like in a week i think mm. just with a band and then um that was actually before the pandemic started it was like oh, I okay might have even been, yeah. So I think it might have been midway through to 2019. And then, um, yeah, when the pandemic started, we started like um, mixing it, you know, distanced. And that might have slowed things down too, because it's like kind of difficult. But we we worked on it for a long time after we recorded it, felt like. Mm. Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah. Thoughts, Woody? <laughs> <laughs> I don't honestly remember mixing it. Like we were... We did it. Didn't we get together or did we not? I think we got together once for like a day. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of entering a zone where like the mixing is where you can go crazy. Mm. And as, as much attention as you can, as much as you can get the sounds the way you want them when you're recording, the better. And And just to be like, and also I'm trying to have more humility in being like, when, when you record more, it's like you have these things where you listen back to them after a year and you're like, I spent like three weeks trying to figure out that sound and you just don't care anymore. <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter. Like, it's hard to think, to learn what those things are, you know, what to yeah. prioritize. See, I started, you know? I started there. I started with nothing. It doesn't matter what anything sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> That's awesome. So you guys, uh, so this is before the pandemic. Uh, you had some friends fill in on like drums or what parts did everyone play? What do you mean? Like getting a band what? together. You said you got a band together. Like, yeah. Did you get, did you guys play each individual part by yourselves? Or did you get like separate players for everything else? And how, how did you oh, yeah. find those players? I guess I should say. Um, they're all in Chicago. We did this all in Chicago, right? And uh, it's just people I know. I knew through the this studio, Rax Tracks, mm. in Chicago. And uh, uh, you know, drummer, bass, guitar, right, keyboardist. Right. I think most of these songs, it's like it started as a demo where I wrote all the musical parts, and then Jeremy made a vocal and melody over it. We have a couple where that where it's not like that. I think um, I think so. So there's like some where Woody writes music and then I essentially like chop it up and sing on it. There's some where I wrote lyrics or and a vocal melody and Woody writes to that, um, which is kind of really? a bizarre process. Yeah. Oh, like oh the, yeah, yeah. Never mind. Yeah. And then there's some stuff that I wrote completely, um, and then Woody added instrumentation. So there's a couple different ways we did it but once we go to the studio i'm just singing i'm not allowed to touch an instrument okay. <laughs> that's not true <laughs> no what he plays what he plays the flute on this record so get, yeah, get, get ready for that get ready for the flute yeah I'm a pfeiffer nice is that something is that something you've had in your back pocket for a while what you, uh the flute or is that is this a new thing you're doing i no i no it was uh i i heard this Jimi hendrix song I think it's if a six was a nine, you know yeah. that one? Yeah. I think there's there's like a wild flute at the end of there. And I was nice. like, that's where I got, I, I heard that happening. We have a very psychedelic streak Ooh. in this album. Yeah, I listened, I listened to the record say when, when I got that email and. Uh, uh, oh, I'm sorry. No, it's okay. It's like, it's, <laughs> it really, the, the styles and the genres go all over the place. Is that some, is that a bit of like freedom? aside from working with your other projects that you like, we could do anything. Woody and Jeremy is anything and everything. Yeah. I, I don't really have um, any specific, any specific genre that, I mean, you know, there's, there's, for me, it's like indie rock is kind of where I feel co most comfortable, but mm -hmm. you know, that spreads out into a lot of spaces and with Woody, you know, he's obviously he's got this whole classical, uh, classical funk training right. you know like tutelage in Volpex. so he, he brings a lot of funk to the thing but jazz i feel i feel like you know yeah i feel like i'm not good at making consistent uh music like that's not a, like some bands are so good at making almost the same song over and over again right and there are certain motifs that i think show up like certain structures um mm -hmm. in the songs i write but um other than that, it's mainly just like a pop version of rock, of folk, of funk, whatever, you know, just like a, you know, whatever comes out. It's not too big right. of a deal. Jeremy won't like this, but I like to liken it to the band Ween. Yeah, totally. You know how Ween, like... I, I caught that vibe, yeah. They weren't, they weren't uh, you know, they, they very, you know, intentionally did like a country album. We're not going to do that. Maybe we will, but but it wasn't. It was like it all fits together with their band and their their uh, choices and their values. So what, yeah, and so I also we just like a lot of different music. So that's right. just what we want to do. You know, like growing up, I feel like my first experience with like good music that set me on the course for like what good taste was was like my uncle used to make mixtapes for my dad. And we'd listen to them on like tape cassette when we dr drive to school. And it's just, you know, an assortment of every, he would put classical music. He would put funk tunes in there. That's probably actually the first time I heard, um, you know, Atomic Dog by George Clinton. Yeah. And so, yeah, in my mind, you know, you experience things in the world like that, like all genres sitting next to each other. And that's how I prefer kind of to consume music. Um, Though sometimes it's nice to be in one zone for a while. So when you make stuff, why not give yourself that liberty as well? It's horrible <laughs> branding. Horrible. <laughs> well, what did you think? What did you think? Were you like annoyed or were you kind of like, oh, this 
this makes sense to me. no it was a happy it, it was a happy surprise <laughs> i was listening to it and i was like okay i think i get what this band's about like you said ween or devo talking heads kind of vibe but then midway through there's like a slow kind of rock song i was like okay this it was a happy surprise it's nice to know that like this record <laughs> no one's heard it yet obviously when this comes out but like that there's more than just what you think it's going to be. It's a happy surprise. Yeah, and it was kind of like, uh, how do you express that in like singles? You know, because there's the whole singles right, right. where it's like, so we the the singles we kind of chose are kind of more in a funky kind of indie rock space, but yeah, the album kind of expands out of that, and it'll be interesting to see um, if if people gravitate to those singles or if they say they. Sp- pick one song off the album and go, oh, this is this is the one we like or something like that. Yeah. Did you feel that there was any like uh, sort of pressure? Maybe what do you could talk about this? Like or picking these singles that they kind of have to be kind of funky because people might be expecting that from Woody or like from this project. Oh, it goes into our our thought process for sure. Yeah. But you don't always, you know, Jeremy and I don't always want to do what's expected of us <clears throat> we get a sick twisted pleasure <laughs> out of imagining Wolfpack fans uh go listening to a, a depressing <laughs> right right slow <laughs> just like oh no what happened <laughs> <laughs> sorry <laughs> no you know it, it goes into we're, we're considerate of our audience right now right. but we also probably want to find an audience that is more aligned with what we do. Totally. But at the same time, you know, I feel like they've, they've been, you know, like my music essentially had like zero listenership before like this configuration of right. making music. And it's, and it's kind of amazing. And I was worried about it because it's like, you know, Wolfpack works with some of the greatest, you know, vocalists that are out there in terms of like timbre and technical skill. But I've been kind of uh, blown away by how accepting, um, that fan base is that's tuned into what Woody is doing specifically. Cause I think there's other people who are just more about the band in general, but I, I haven't really seen any negative feedback, you know, in. Uh, yeah. And cool. with your vocals, Jeremy, who did you look did up you- to? Cause your vocals, I can't pinpoint like the reference for you, but like, who did you look up to vocally? Oh man. Um, I mean, I feel like this is kind of lame, but I the thing person who comes to mind immediately is like Robert Captain Plant. Beefheart. No, oh yeah, Captain Beefheart. Yeah, yeah. You know, like that's such a who? Captain I, Beefheart. You know that guy. He's such absolutely. a absolutely. That's what yeah, I was totally. thinking when, when he asked that question. He's such a um, touch point for like freak avant-garde rock that it's a little almost like I played out, but truthfully, he made a big impact on me. Um, I also think uh, Marky Smith mm. um, of The Fall uh, is pretty pretty big for me. Just like what song should I look up? I don't even know what that is for The Fall. Uh, I mean, if you want a really accessible album, Fallheads Roll. That whole album is very accessible. But he's he's made so much stuff. Um, uh, I I think, and you know, a lot of it's so accessible that it's not on Spotify. <laughs> 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 um pavement pavement oh, you know yeah. malcolmus yeah malcolmus uh you know I, I i like the i like a kind of sardonic cynical kind of vocals yeah doesn't Mal- mean, doesn't malcolmus have that quote like my favorite singers can't sing or maybe somebody else said that and i attribute mm. it to him yeah i mean whether he said it or not it, fe- it feels like being able to use whatever tool you have and maybe, you know, in a way that fits within the framework of the song to me is more, um, is cooler than someone who is like beautifully ripping, you right. know, on the perfect pipes, whatever, whatever that means. But, you know. Plus you're a, you're a fan. This is what this is supposed to be, right? We're supposed to just compliment each other. <laughs> I, Jeremy's a fantastic lyricist. Totally. I. I love this guy's lyrics. Yeah. Check I out agree. our music. Check out- <laughs> Have we started recording the podcast yet? No. That's my no. question. This is all cutting room shit, man. We have to start all over. Wait, I want to hear more from Ruben. Yeah. Tell me about what you're what you're doing. Oh, okay. So 
yeah, I would say a big influence is, you know, you Wolfpack and everything I see how you guys move on the internet. Not, you know, the music, aside from the music, but the amount of videos you guys post up and how active you guys are on YouTube made me realize, oh shit, I'm not doing anything on YouTube. And I've had this channel like for a very long time. And, you know, most musicians <laughs> don't think about YouTube. They're just like, I'll put my music videos up, maybe a lyric video. But then I saw Wolfpack's YouTube channel and it had everything. And I was like, wow, this is like a legitimate channel. And that's when I started thinking, oh, well, maybe like a podcast would be cool for that. And then uh, I did a few episodes in the beginning of the year before the pandemic happened. And then the pande- uh, pandemic really, I didn't talk to anyone anymore. So the the my main source of socialization was this podcast and it like really helped and i was like and it was easier to get guests because hey, everyone's at home <laughs> busy this weekend you want to do a podcast and it just like you know it was a great way to promote other people and it's like really yeah. one of the least you know every when you're a musician everything kind of is just about you me 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 my project and I have shows coming up by my merch, but the podcast is the first thing I can do. Be like, actually, don't listen to me. Listen to them <laughs> or like at least listen to both of us talk. And and uh, I found a lot of joy out of that joy. I don't think I would have found if I was younger. I just turned 30. So I feel like I'm willing to get yeah. back versus uh, being so in my own head and being me, me, me. That's me, cool. Me. Yeah. So it's nice. That's Very awesome. Nice. It's been cool. Yeah, it's been it's been chill. And, you know, no shows, so I've just been chilling. Are there thoughts about taking this band uh, on the road when normal life becomes normal again? It would be cool to do it. Um, <clears throat> you know, the last show I played was, like, five years ago in a living room, and I think, you know, Woody, Woody's played, you know, at Madison Square Garden. Right. So there's a different scale of competence, or not competence, but just, like, it would be in. I, I would want to find a place where we could play shows that were uh, that felt intimate. You know, I, I mean, I don't even know what fan base is out there for our live shows because we released the first album right as the pandemic started. Right. So it's like, it's hard to know what kind of audience is even out there. And there's people who are obviously responding to the music, but um, what? I can't wait to play this stuff live. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, go no please. I'm rambling. I'm fucking rambling. You're going on and on and on. <laughs> You're not. You're not. Um, I can't wait to play this stuff live. I fantasize about it all the time. Yeah. Would it be like a mix of the old record and the new record or what? Yeah, we have a lot of stuff we can draw from and, you know, stuff people people don't know about. <laughs> right. Love hearing that at a concert. We have, like Jeremy was know. saying, we, we made music before and Jeremy, but we together made music that people don't know about. People meaning the the subset of Wolfpack fans that now right, listen who, who to come us. over yeah <laughs> yeah but some of my favorite music and it's like I don't play live very often and I forget like I can be playing these songs you know yeah <laughs> again <laughs> you know well, just because you record something doesn't mean you know you know how you like wanted to put that different chord change in guess what you can do that <laughs> you wanted to sing that melody a little bit differently yeah. you can do that you can play this song again. How do you how do you feel about playing live? Do you like it? Yeah, I I love playing live. And and one thing I I've been thinking about lately is that if you release the record in 2020 or even 2021, I think it won't be like, "Oh, well that record's old. We can't tour that record. It's already old." It's like no one saw it live. So it still has a life. It will have a second life post-pandemic that people will go and support because we never got to hear it. We just listened to it on Spotify over and over again. And now it's that new element of, okay, playing it live. Right. Do you, do you do you enjoy live more than you enjoy like if it was like demoing, recording and playing live like what's what's the what's the lineup that you oh, like man. there? Oh man, I think the- Yeah, I think I love playing live uh the most lately. Uh wow. making the record is is up there and then demoing seems to be my least favorite part. It's just like let's just get it done. I think and in- they're usually sloppy as shit. It's like this is the general structure general riffs but like i'll expand on them later as they evolve i feel like i'm exactly reversed like when (laughs) when i'm creating something new and in a flow state where it's like half improvisation half like figuring out a puzzle like that feels very um you know like that's when i go into the flow state zone and a lot of playing live for me is like just total fear and oh, like, okay. 
<laughs> not I get not that. really you know maybe I mean but maybe with repeated exposure but I feel right. like the reason I made art in the first place was to not have to be in front of other people mm. you know communicate <laughs> without being present and performance is like the exact opposite of that interesting what about you Woody what's what on the on your where do you rank each one um I I guess I kind of love them all. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I can't pick between. My favorite, no, but uh, the only thing I can say is I really do love them all, but the thing I don't like the most <laughs> is I don't like carrying my keyboard, carrying keyboards and setting up. Like I'm, I've been thinking about that. Like I might yeah. just spend all the money I make from the show on hiring somebody to put my keyboard there. Cause like, right. Me. You can pay me to do it. <laughs> okay. No, with Wolfpack, I got so spoiled. I went from like, you know, like playing a background jazz gig in some restaurant where everyone hates you yeah. to like, and you have to like carry your amp and your speaker and you get like leftover French fries. Totally. That's what you get paid in. Yeah. And then with Wolfpack, it's like B3 Oregon, CP70. Oh, and Wurlitzer are, are just there when you show up. Right. <laughs> and so I'm like, I, how do I, how do I uh, go back? I, <laughs> I tried playing a live show, you know, of, of just with some friends in Chicago. And that was the thing. I like hated setting up. Like you're, you're okay with that. You, you play guitar and you're. I play guitar, band. but I remember I, I started off on drums first and I hated that. Oh, see? Yeah. That's, I fucking that's hated that. Bad. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe brutal. And it, I started when I was playing drums, it was like uh, 2002, 2003. So it was all about big kits, <laughs> like too many symbols. It was just like, you know, yeah. 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 What's the, what's, what's the, what's driving that? What band is driving that big kit 2003 trend? I was, I was in a band called Tigers in the City with my cousins. We were all in high school or just about, yeah, we were all in high school. So I was like 14. And, uh, uh, uh-huh. We were trying to be like the Mars Volta meets like some reggae stuff going on too. Like it was, mm. it was very confusing, and it makes sense why no one showed up <laughs> to the shows. But confusing it was fun. Yeah, it was a very confusing time. Big kid, big flashy drummers. I was not that good of a drummer. Where my drum teacher mainly taught me like him, like how he played. That's what kind of what teachers do. They kind of like show you their tricks, and then you kind of, in a way, end up playing like them. And I think that happened to me a lot too. And he was like a big Bonham guy. So I ended up being more uh, groove yeah. and heavy. Like I hit the drums like way too hard. That's why I don't play drums on my records. Cause I don't like the way I play. <laughs> yeah. What about you guys? Did you guys take lessons growing up? Like, do you feel like your teachers rubbed off on you in a, in a way, <laughs> in an appropriate right. way, not the way it just came out. <laughs> that's not funny. Come on guys. I know. Let's get I didn't it even get it. I didn't even pick up on it. Very, that's because you're a better person. <laughs> I'm know. pure. I'm, <laughs> As it came out of my mouth, I was like, oh, shit. Go uh, ahead. Either what? one. Who's first? You. Either one. Okay. Uh, we're talking lessons? Yeah, Your lessons. Curriculum vitae. Curriculum vitae? Uh, yeah, I did. Uh, probably the the short answer is jazz is mm. like what I bring. Like I, I uh, followed... I took classical lessons growing up, piano, but then I got so into jazz and I, I kind of learned all about theory through that. And that's, that's what I bring. Like I know harmonies and I have an ear, um, like I learned ear training, but I also am, am gifted genetically. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <laughs> sorry, but I, I like listen to old jazz songs and I hear the, the like harmonies and the very subtle things that people miss. Um, wasn't I supposed to be talking about if I took piano lessons? Go, yeah, you just go. You're, go. you're on a roll. <laughs> you're on a roll. Can't stop you. Yeah, I went to jazz. I went to jazz college. That was the cool. end of my story. Jazz school. Um, Harmony. Bye. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't take any lessons. Um, I used. I tried to learn how to play my dad's acoustic guitar mm. and i i kind of refer 
refused to learn. And I remember I would just play like essentially noise music on it. And my dad would get so mad at me. He basically told me to like stop do it or yeah. stop doing it or to learn. And I kind of, I just, so I stopped playing guitar for a while. I didn't and, know that. Yeah. I, I had this memory that came back to me recently. I, um, you know, I had like a laptop, maybe it was high school or maybe it was probably was early, maybe like freshman and sophomore year high school. And I would, set up speakers and I would just have like feedback going like real, like wolf eyes kind of okay. like noise. And Can I cut you off and ask a question to you? Right now? Um, yeah. Yeah. You and also Dante, when would, yeah. when, what age did you realize you were like a freak? Like you liked freaky music because oh, we yeah. are all freaks, right? Yeah. I don't know. Absolutely. <laughs> well, how old were you when you were, way. when you were listening to feedback? Like how old were you? <laughs> I think I was in high school when I was doing that. But my point of point of that story was my mom would yell at me and be like, stop it. <laughs> Even better, right? Um, I don't know. I think, you know, I think I always kind of listened to music that wasn't, you know, I mean, when you're young, you're like, I'm listening to stuff that's not on the radio. Right. You know? yeah. That's how hip I am, you know? And then you kind of learn that there's even layers and layers of obscureness. And then it becomes like, Oh, is this a game I want to buy into at all? You know, and um, mm. it's cool. It's cool to find music outside the realms of you know common curation where things are being given to you, because then you feel like you really own the music that you find and dig into. But um, you know, I think that uh, all whatever taste is valid. Like if you're into pop or mainstream stuff, that's cool too. Yeah, I basically <laughs> lived off of like Time Life songs of the '70s, like. I would because I wasn't really allowed outside of my house. So I would watch those infomercials and uh, with the scrolling with the scrolling thing. And if I heard a song I liked, I would just sit on my computer and LimeWire it like immediately. What is this? Uh, like Time Life, those like music compilations. Remember, and it's like featuring, and then they would have little clips songs of, like, of the 1960s. Yeah. yeah, these commercials you're talking about TV. Yeah. T- oh TV yeah, yeah, yeah. And then so I would sit on my computer, go on LimeWire, and any song that came up. <laughs> I would just wow, be like, okay, cool. that one's next, that one's next, that one next. And that's how I discovered a lot of music. Like, I didn't find out really about the Beach Boys until I watched, like, Rush Hour. Like, that mm. was, like, my exposure to, like, the Beach Boys. <laughs> like, it's just, I found out about music, like, ha- like ass backwards in this stuff. And, I remember, uh, na- yeah. like, Napstering tunes, like, um, and then just, like, burning them on a CD and maybe listening to the CD later that I had found, like, oh, from yeah. my bedroom. And it's just, like, the songs were so like lossy, like just totally like 128 MP3s. And just like, oh my God, I can't believe that. <laughs> that was a crazy time, man. Yes. Like, and then Torrance, when once Torrance came around, that shit became a problem. I was wasting up so much space on hard drives, just downloading every album. Oh, I like this artist. Let me download every album. And uh, yeah, that was a really crazy time. What I, what I really miss is like, 2010s like blog like yeah blog world i don't know if you ever got into that woody right. but like people would just there would be like a blog where it was kind of like somebody's uh compilation of all one genre and it was their badge of honor that they had like every french prog record up there <laughs> so you could just like deep dive into this oh wow world and um yeah that's kind of gone and you know uh i'm i do miss that um you're a deep diver you you like were a dj at a time yeah but those days are kind of gone it's hard to do that i find well that's good (laughs) yeah now it's all shallow surface level listening right i'm I'm like i'm a shazam addict like i i will shazam and wherever i go and and tv shows a lot soundtracks and then once a month I have it in my calendar, a reoccurring event to go through all my Shazams and I put them into playlists based on whatever connected threads they have. Yeah. What's and then where I was never the, listen to them. <laughs> where kidding. was the oddest place you had to Shazam from? Uh the womb. Mm. Shazamming Shazamming in front of a barista is kind of like <laughs> you're just kind of like <laughs> trying to do it. Like on the on the sly, you know. Yeah, like, that's funny. Not yeah. let them know. I know. <laughs> yeah, I just did Trader Joe's the other day. I was like, oh shit, I like the song. And then you're just like not trying to look like a fucking grocery nerd. stores. Yeah, grocery stores. That's funny. 
There's always <laughs> there's always like one banger every time you go in. Yeah. Or what if you, you Shazam something and then it's like so mainstream? It's embarrassing. It's like a Justin Bieber. That happens to me, but I you know I, I like those moments though because I never would I would never go after that. Right? That's You're true. You're like oh shoot, I actually like this, whatever, Justin Bieber <laughs> snare drum or whatever, yeah. you know? Are you, able to, are you able to draw inspiration from that kind of thing, though? If you're like, oh, this is like a top 40 song, but I do like that drum tone. Like, maybe I Absolutely. can like reference that. Is that something that happens a lot to you, Woody? Oh, yeah. And I was thinking about this recently, like, how I listen to music is, or why, not, I don't know why, how I listen to music is totally different now than when I was, in high school mm. like i'm listening as i'm always like how did they make this it's kind of like a magician now watching magic tricks mm. you know it's a different perspective um and i don't hate i don't feel like romantic about that i i'm into it but yeah i'm always like thinking what do i like about this yeah i like this but then why do i like this you know and that always, yeah, that comes into play with when you're making stuff. Why do I love I the Hall & Oates drum tone so much, you know? Yeah, great question. Something, isn't, someone told me it's like, they use, it's like, what's it called? It's called like the $500 or the $1,000 drum tone where it's just SM57s all over the whole kit. SM57s is or probably like that. in there, yeah. yeah. And uh <laughs> Them, go, them all going through one preamp or something at totally. some point or being put on the same tape machine uh mono overheads maybe i don't i don't know hollow notes that well actually yeah yeah what so you said you kind of grew up listening to jazz what else uh was it mostly just jazz growing up or how'd you even get into jazz was it something your parents showed you daddy daddy i was talking to daddy oh. <laughs> and he played the That's jazz. a reference to a song no one knows about. <laughs> um, my dad played like five jazz songs throughout my childhood, and he played them darn well. Mm. And oh, on like a piano? Oh, on yeah. a piano. Did oh, you not know that? Yeah. I don't know anything. Yeah, I have recordings of it. It's like, <laughs> he like just stopped playing one day, but is like wow. never played again. <laughs> and But he used to play like all the time when we were growing up, and that totally wired my brain. And then I... My parents used to call me the music Nazi um, because when we, when I was like in middle school, no friends, only bebop jazz. That was all that was going on. Yeah. And like, it was just every time we went in the car, I was like, no, Charlie Parker, Sonny Rollins, that's what we're listening to. <laughs> and then when I got to high school, uh, that's when I found other people and and learned that there were people who were like, existed on the outside and that's when i got into zappa and beefheart mm. and hendrix and the freaks but you know I, I wasn't alone uh well i had i shouldn't say i was alone i had jazz friends kind of mm. yeah <laughs> whatever that's great dad dad music is an interesting category of music like what music you get from your dad you know yeah. <laughs> what what's your what, dad music yeah, what's your dad music, Jeremy? Did you? <laughs> That's such a great freeze frame. Wow. Is that recorded when it freezes? I hope so. It must be. Uh, okay. I'll do that for a second, please. <laughs> Wait, uh, Ruben, can you do that with me? My dad. You're going the wrong side. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Wow. All right, I, did, we, did we lose them? I think we lost them. Uh, should I like text them or something? Yeah. How much longer do your podcasts go? Uh, we're at 40 Maybe minutes. I, I usually go like an hour, hour and a half. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to take a picture on my phone. Oh, and he's gone. Bye, Jeremy. Oh, no. The That's cliffhanger okay. of Jeremy's dad's music. What's did your dad's? Jeremy even what have music a dad? your dad? <laughs> um, that's what that's a relief what did that's, you get from your dad oh my dad really my dad's obsessed you know every dad picks a year to like obsess over and my dad's year is 1987 okay. uh and it's Whoa, just, really? <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> it's, uh, not what i expected it was the that's year funny. before he had kids before he had responsibility <laughs> and um 
before you ruined his life basically before, before my sister you, before did you, yeah before you took you took his youth away <laughs> Basically, he was able to do whatever he wanted that summer. And uh, it's a lot. (laughs) Freedom of 87. Freedom of 87. And uh, it was a lot of electro funk, a lot of break dance music. Um, Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. He was a young dad. Reverbs. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So that's like the stuff I love now. Um, But yeah. Wait, Jeremy. Oh, wait. His sound's still off. But yeah. Yeah. other than that, 1987, does your dad have a... Let's get back to your dad's uh, music, because we lost you for We're like, back a good... with dad talk. <laughs> <laughs> and what the happened dad with the podcast should be is dad talk. Dad talk. Jim, um, yeah, sorry. We lost you for a second. Yeah, that's okay. My internet's bad here. That's okay. It's, it feels. I feel like it's related to when the wind blows, because sometimes it feels like... It, my internet goes out and then the wind is gusty. And I know that is probably not true. But <laughs> He's I, a witch. It's, it's like blowing the Wi-Fi away from my computer. <laughs> it turns out I'm just like a conspiracy guy. Yeah. I'm, I started talking about 5G. <laughs> Anyways, guys. Um, dad, dad music for me, I think of Flonius Monk. That's the number one I think of. Mm, it's hilarious. It's so... Five. Because that's just so... That is the dad music of me too mm. yeah maybe that sums it all up and steely dan which ultimate dad was not print was not transferred to you would it? no 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 steely did you get into steely later or no still no steely i'm not sorry no <laughs> i'm a big fan i like no. a couple songs I'm, I'm not like a huge fan but uh no one cares <laughs> it's okay uh listen it's like red pill blue pill are you gaucho or are you asia jeremy Ooh, god that's a good question and don't say pretzel logic don't say pretzel logic i think gauchos i think gauchos where it's at oh but yeah. i also if really you like told us where gaucho really led to we would have taken it I also really like Katie Lied. I don't know. You oh, can just yeah. their albums. They're I missed good. that. Are we all synced up? Are we having issues? Are we all synced up? Yeah. Okay, you know. cool. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I think it's... Uh... You good? There you go. Well, sweet. That's awesome, man. Uh, we'll just keep it going. Oh, I asked the internet for some questions. Um I'm sorry to report that they're all just oh, wow. wolf, they're just Wolfpack questions. So I, I, kind, of, I kind of assumed. So I'm, I'm <laughs> okay. It's fine. You know, like who is I Jeremy have... Daly? Is he in Wolfpack? <laughs> what does he play? In... I didn't see him at MSG. What does he play in Wolfpack? <laughs> yeah. I, you know, here here's a cool Wolfpack fact. I okay. I I um I helped Wolfpack get their first commercial because my day oh. job is um, doing licensing. And I oh. worked with them before their current licensor. So Jeremy worked at Ghostly. Yeah, I still do. I worked it's there. Yeah. Cool job. <laughs> um, and uh, so I got them a Snickers commercial that played on gas station TV yes. in Mexico. And uh, I remember <laughs> Jack and Jack and um, um, Joe were in LA, and we went out to dinner to celebrate. And Joe bought a little Snickers. <laughs> Maybe it was Jack. I can't remember, but I don't know. So that's my Wolfpack fact. <laughs> it's huge, man. Yeah, man. That Wait. was amazing. Yeah, Ghostly. Ghostly followed me on Twitter, and I was like, what the hell is this? And I was like, oh, they're just following a lot. They're just following everyone on Twitter. Oh, okay. no, they're in there. <laughs> they're... <laughs> the night manager is active. Yeah. You know? <laughs> he'll, he'll, he'll know what you're up to. Okay. <laughs> I'll have to make sure I tag him in the tweet. But like, we could talk about licensing before I get into all these fucking Wolfpack questions. Uh, sure. What is licensing? How does it happen? What I've never what you- experienced it. What do you do? <laughs> so, for someone on your scale, yeah. um, you should at least have a. Um, so you're you're probably part of a PRO, right? Well, okay. Let's back up even further. What's a PRO? <laughs> let's. Get- Start over. Hero is a performing rights organization. Oh, okay, like yeah, 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 yeah. I, I do have one of those, yeah. 
So to give a general overview, you know, like when you think of a song, there's two portions legally of a song. There's the master and the composition. The master is the actual physical recording, the MP3 mm -hmm. and the wave. The composition is kind of the idea of the song, like the notes, uh, the lyrics. So mm -hmm. if you do a cover of uh, Hey Jude, you record it, you own the master, the physical recording, but the Beatles um, own the composition. So if you license that, which is selling that song or, or giving the rights to use that song to a TV show commercial or whatnot, you license the right to your master, but they'll license the composition. Mm. If you've written a song and you recorded it, you license both sides. Mm. Now, um, essentially, there's royalties being created at all the junctures where your music is being used. And some of them relate to the master side. Um, and some of them relate to the composition side. So like there's this uh, company called Sound Exchange in the US. Are, are you a part of that? I've heard of it. So you should be signed up for there because they collect online streaming mechanical licenses. That means it relates to the master side. Mm. Um, and as someone, I assume you own your own music and you're the performer on it. You'll yeah. be you'll be collecting royalties on that. And then there's also royalties that are performance royalties, which... PROs collect like BMI ASCAP and then that will be due to your writership which is the composition side am I I feel like I'm I might be losing you but no most I, I think most yeah. of the people who listen to this podcast are musicians and no one talks to us about this shit so I don't know yeah so so I'd say you know for a musician of your scale probably you know um you should be signed up to ASCAP or BMI. That's like a one-time fee, you know, and that means you're getting your royalties from your writership share of uh, what you're doing. And then you should also have um, be collecting on the publishing side of the PRO, which means you know you have a publisher in the PRO, and that that you're still only collecting on performance royalties. Mm -hmm. And then what you're missing is mechanicals, and so um, to collect those, you need to work with an administrator. And um, there's an, like Song Trust is out there. That's an option. And you can go there and they'll do a little analysis based on how many streams you have on like Spotify or whatnot right. and estimate how many royalties are out there. And mechanicals go away in like three years based on territory. Okay. So um, there might be like a couple hundred, you know, out there for you on, on for in terms of that. And so, um, you know, so the, all this the hard leads, thing about sorry, all this leads to getting a Snickers commercial in Mexico. Basically, okay. I have to know about placements. Yeah, the oh, placements. Right. Well, here's the thing. So all that stuff is about collecting the monies that are out there for you. Okay, you know, and that stuff is important for your working musician because, like, during times like this when you can't play shows, there's royalties being generated that you need to collect. For sync, which is specifically like placement in TV shows and stuff, um, you you either need to have an incredibly successful song that people hear, you need to work with a team that has connections to music supervisors and ad agencies that are pitching your music, um, and those are kind. Or you know you need to be friends with people who mm. are in that realm. Mm. Um, and so my job at Ghostly is to work with my artists um, and, and pitch them for opportunities and to maintain relationships with these brands, with cool. these music supervisors, and then also to make sure that they're collecting on these royalties. Um, and also to just generally educate the artists because not to be offensive but most artists like i feel like artists know kind of the least about how money is made right. for them you know um and i think that being educated it's like kind of my duty to educate these artists because then that's the only way they can inform decisions about signing a record deal right. or doing any sort of legal thing if they don't have a lawyer because you know you just you can't make a decision if you're not educated to true. doing it true Okay, Did well, I just go, go off? Was that was that a good was that a good chunk of content yeah, or was no, that just that's, like that's, that's a clip. Yeah. That's a YouTube clip right there. Yeah. Damn. Well, <laughs> I I feel like you know. 
I don't. I I kind of felt like I went into like a fugue state. Uh, yeah, to no. reference a Wolfpack song. But, I want I want you to have a a different. I I want to hear your 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 YouTube video about this, Jeremy, because uh, I need it personally. I told I, you know I've had trouble with these organizations, but uh, I don't think that like forty seven minutes in on the podcast is like the. I want you to do like your own video on this stuff. Like you want to do that, don't you? Well, it's 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 hard because it's so dry and it's not it's not really technically complicated. I mean, I've been doing it for a long time, so maybe it just seems easy. But it's just it's also that there's so many technicalities. Like every territory, like if you're in the U.S. or you're in Europe or you're in Canada or you're in Korea, they all deal slightly differently with royalties and how royalties are collected. And it's like, mm. what is the baseline thing that an artist needs to know to? Uh, effectively take advantage of what they're doing. And truthfully, there's a certain scale of artists like that I was at, you know, for a long time where it's like, it's not really going to make a huge difference of me for me to leverage all this royalty collection out there. You know, it might be 50 to a hundred dollars a year or something, but as that dial changes, it can make a huge impact, you know, Yeah. once you're, once you grow to scale. So it's kind of, it's kind of hard to know when an artist should really dive in and educating themselves with it. I think Ruben, you should for yeah, sure. Absolutely. So I'm, I'm absorbing it, man. This is the stuff I stuff I like to hear about and stuff that I need. Cause you know, you just, I don't know. You just always focus on the playing and, and the creating the art, but not the actual monetizing of this art. And uh, yeah, they're, they're two separate brains. Like, you know, right. I mean, when I, when I work at my job, I feel very, um, you know, I'm, I'm very, I forget if it's right or left brain, but it's just like, I feel totally like I'm making decisions. I'm like, Oh, this is the proper way to handle it. And then when I'm working on my own music, I'm like, but should I do this with my song? I don't know. You know, right. I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, it's just like (laughs) when your own creativity is wrapped up in it, it becomes so more emotional and it becomes less of like a, Oh, I'm using my rubric to make decisions about how to handle it. Yeah, Yeah. It becomes more like, uh, because of my emotional investment in this song, I, I don't know the proper, you know, and someone who's actually very good at that is Jack uh, from Wolfpack. He he somehow is able to maintain the two things. Hmm. So let's segue into what people actually wanted as opposed to being <laughs> right, here, about royalties. Here are the, here are the questions I got uh, for you, Woody. Inspirations for animal spirits. <laughs> I'm telling you, I didn't write these ones. These Jeremy, are the ones people. Jeremy, you want to like, grab a book or something, or uh... <laughs> you know, do you know that? You know what it is? Inspirations for animal spirits. Yeah. Uh, Jack made that. I I, I have the demo. He goes like, I think that's the inspiration for that song. So basically, he sent you that, and you're like, okay, let me figure out what these chords are from Boodoo Dap. Yeah. Is that, is that a lot? Is that a lot of how that creative process works in that band? Oh sure, mm. yeah. Just demos of us screwing around, uh, and then we take it to the studio. The lyrics. What are the lyrics of that? Oh, the lyrics are about. Uh, aren't they about economics? Like animal spirits was a term used to describe like the invisible hand mm. or like the forces moving the market. Is that right? Anybody? Possibly. Nobody knows. I'm, I'm, I'm checking my email right now. <laughs> <laughs> so how, how does it differ from working that creative process with Volpec to this project? It sounds like you, you're also sending chords over to Jeremy and like, here are some chords. Oh, yeah. I'd love I to guess, hear what you uh, would do with these. It was very similar. Yeah. It's very similar. Yeah. Like when I, you know, when you make a demo, you're I, like you said, you don't like making demos. Um, yeah. I'm curious about that because like, I love making demos. It's like, you got to get in the mindset of like not worrying about anything except the, the emotion that you're trying to get across. It's like, don't worry about how anything sounds or what order things come in. It's just like, I'm trying to inspire Jeremy or Wolfpack or whoever it is. You know, I'm trying to be like, listen to this for 10 seconds. And it's like, Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, I want to, I want to get on this. 
Yeah, and I think, you know, sometimes a demo, you don't have to worry about how it sounds, and that's what's freeing about it. And, you know, totally. it, can, it, can more, it can more accurately capture that emotion. I also just want to say that Woody is obviously a, a, an incredible collaborator. He's the best. With, I mean, he's with so many, <laughs> like May, May Earlwine, and then with Wolfpack, and, you know, he's able to with me, who... I, I am. Uh, I am not. I cannot collaborate with most people, so I think it says a lot. Wait, no. Danny DeVito was that joke or for real? You collabed with Danny DeVito? That's just a teaser, you know, 2024. Ooh. But thank you, Jeremy. I appreciate that. <laughs> what did you want to respond to my demo? Yeah, I'll respond to the demo. Um, I think, and I understand you what you guys you are saying, but demos. I just feel like it's just that part. Like I'm just doing it. Let's just get this done. I'm not. You know, yeah, I guess I am trying to get the feeling and the general vibe across, but like ultimately it doesn't seem like it's on a level of importance as the other parts. So to me it's just like this is just like a roadblock until we get into the actual Are you are you somebody who is able to perform your song like you singing and playing guitar? No, I'm pretty bad at that. I like to let better musicians play. <laughs> so it. if you have a song and you wanna show it and you wanna inspire people to to oh, like I wanna can, work yeah, on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, I can play what it. Do you yeah. do. No, yeah, I do that. Yeah. I, I could play it too. Yeah, you probably want to do that. You don't need, really need demos as much, right? Absolutely. Yeah, and you're true. the leader too. Yeah, you're the leader, so you can just perform the song. You like performing. I do like performing, so I could just show them this is what the song's like up in fist. But like you know, I feel like you still gotta do the demo just because like here's the original thought, and then we'll build from it there, and then I don't know. Yeah. It's just not my favorite part of the process. Um, I should say. But is 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 nice, I guess. It also takes a long time. I also just like will spend like the whole day on it, and then that day I won't eat anything because I'm just like so in the zone. I think I just get too zoned out in the whole process. Also, it sounds like a like a job for you, but but for <laughs> me, yeah. the demo like the song doesn't exist until the demo is there. You understand? Like that's right. where I'm composing it. Right. You know, I'm not sitting on a guitar and coming up with words. It's like. Right. It starts with making the demo. I don't know what the song is until the demo is done. <laughs> true. True. Cool. All right. Um, let's move on. Next inter- uh, next Instagram question. How did you link up with Bernard Purdy? <laughs> I don't know. Probably Instagram really? or something like a manager. I, I don't know. I don't know. And how, know how, that, was, how was know. Here's something funny. Here's okay. something funny. Here's something funny talking about trying to link up with Bernard Purdy. I'm pretty sure that Jack has like money for him. Mm. Bernard, if you're watching this, which you probably are, um, Jack has money for you and he cannot get it to him. <laughs> <laughs> like he, he doesn't, he like can't he reach him anymore. Back so to... him, his manager, I don't know who it's just yeah, like yeah. hilarious to me, <laughs> but that was so much fun hanging out with that dude. It was hilarious. That's he's, hilarious. He's, He's larger than life. Do you think he played on all the first Beatle recordings? No comment. Okay. All right. <laughs> we played on a Beatles song with him. That's the important thing. That's true. That you can listen. That's where the money's from. If you go to Spotify, we recorded the song something with him. That's live. Awesome. Oh, that's awesome. Kind of a, I mean, yeah. Yes. Oh, beautiful. Um, Let's see. Is Woody going to release Solo Roads on vinyl? Mm. Mm. Jeremy, you want to take this one? <laughs> He's already sent it to you. It's been shipped. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, it's stuck in shipping. Sorry. Is All that right. an op- it's, uh, it's, uh, it's trying to get overseas. Uh, I have no plans to. It's already, it sounds so messed up already. It's from, it's on off a cassette tape, I believe. <laughs> I don't know if you want to degrade it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, where can we so listen to Solo probably Roads? Not, probably where not. Is, it, is it online not stop anywhere? Being a jerk. Yeah, I think it's on Bandcamp only. Okay. Well, people are loving it, man. They want to hear it on vinyl. That's that's really nice. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, I'm now sorry this to is be a jerk about answering. This is one of my this is one of my questions, and is about uh, the new record. So what's that? This is one of my questions. What is your relationship with oh. Cass, with Cass McCombs? Why is that song called that? He's our daddy. Oh yeah, we love him. 
he seems like I don't know. I always say this, but I feel like Cass McCombs is the most mysterious dude in indie rock. I don't know anything about. No longer. Him. No longer. No longer. That's, that's... The song tells it all. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of why. Why you know he's and I feel like he might be the last artist to be able to do that. You know, like yeah. you kind of can't be mysterious like that anymore and 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 be successful. You know, so and interesting. He he's also he's just like he's like an American. He's like the a troubadour. You know, like he he just he's an. I don't know. He has all these Yay. qualities, and we're both obsessed with him and how he executes these traditional songs. But then they're all kind of fucked up and weird too. Um, it's cool. Yeah, and, and that's the that's the only Woody and Jeremy song that Woody has written the lyrics for. So that's the most oh really? On the record, yeah, yeah. I'll never forget. He made, he, he made he made a demo, and I was like, okay, this is fine. And then I didn't do anything with it. And we showed up at the studio, and he was like, we need to record this. And so I was like, okay, I guess I'll sing your lyrics. And he was like, wait, you're not going to change the lyrics. So I was like, no, he's like, we're going to do these lyrics if we're recording it. And he had sang the song about Ask McCombs getting bread. So that's the song. It's go. probably maybe the, the best one, uh, best lyrical. Yeah, that one stuck out immediately. Like, Woody, can you talk to us more about this? Is this a real story of where you saw Ask McCombs? Well, just everybody, you know, he's a total enigma and everyone's wanting to know, you know, who is he? What's it, who is Cass? You know, what does he do? And so we thought it was, it would be worth it to, to finally dive in to these questions mm. that we're all dying to know the answer to and let the world know. I was scared that it was going to be a negative reaction and especially like kind of working at a indie record label. I didn't want it to be like negative. So we reached out to the, his management and we heard from his management that he was philosophically okay with the song. That's the quote. All right. So I'm, I love I, it. I maintain that he never heard it or, re or received their message. And that <laughs> I, they were just like, who are I these? He, they probably thought we were fans who like wanted to talk to our hero, which is true. Part no, true. I heard, I heard he plays it every day in his car. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> I, I can't, I can't wait for him to see this, this crap. Uh, that'll just make me so happy. <laughs> We have, a, we have a hilarious video for this one. Oh, so there's already a video. I was going to say, get him in the video. He, he that was our it. dream. Yeah, was right? Yeah. He won't have anything to do with us. <laughs> but no, that's not true. Woody played with him. Woody I did play with him. him. You did? I, I did meet him. I It was like, you know, I fanned out a little bit. Um, no good. I was like, which is true. I told him he was my most listened to Spotify artist of... Uh, whatever year, 2019, I think it was. Yeah. He was like, cool, man. He was a very, like, gentle and, like, kind of small presence. You know, he was just, like, very gentle. I wasn't expecting that, right. you know? His music is pretty, can be very abrasive at times. Um, yeah. He was just a kind, kind uh, spirit. That's awesome, yeah. There's no. a lot of gentle music there too, though. Totally, that's true. Yeah, yeah, I agree. He's definitely one of the last uh, artists who can do what he's doing, and and everyone's just like, yeah, it's just what he does. That's just him. He, yeah, he he like he like came across the time when the internet happened, and he didn't, totally. you know. And is he Chicago? Woody is he from there? Or uh, I don't think so, but I don't know. Huh. Are you originally from Chicago, Woody? Born Skokie, Rose? which is a, a suburb, mm. the bagel capital of, of uh, the Midwest, the Midwest. Yeah. It's in the bagel belt, the bagel belt. Yeah. Oh, man. I've yet to have a bagel in Chicago. That's why <laughs> is I that fucked now. up. I'm sorry. I don't, know. Gave a look. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how it would be fucked up. I was just I don't get it. <laughs> I don't know. I had a bar mitzvah. Oh, OK, so you're relating bagels to Jewishness. Yes. Oh, yeah. okay. I thought it was legitimate. I was like, oh, I got to get a bagel on them over there. I, th I find their bagels to be unmatched, personally. I love it. I love it. Okay. All right. Uh, let's see. I think that's I think that's it for the Volpec questions. Um, thank you guys for uh, uh, going through that with me. And yeah. uh, <laughs> I, I hope in the future, uh, 
feature interviews for you guys. They they go better than this one and less Wolfpack questions and more oh, Woody stop. and Jeremy questions. No, this is, I, this is I, a blast. I, yeah, I have a question though. Like, <laughs> yeah, does, how do you how do you when you're in a good interview? Do you like feel it? Are you vibing on it? And then also yeah. on a scale of zero to ten, what would you rank this one? Like. <laughs> I thought we had some good laughs in this one. Yeah, we did. Like, what if, I think what, it was how good. How is he going to honestly answer that question, though? You can't do that. No, honestly, like the first couple ones on Zoom were so brutal because yeah. I, it's just, you know, I was used to doing them in person. Uh, and then once it became Zoom, it became just a little bit more sterile. And I was like, oh, I guess I actually have to do fucking research now. And I guess I actually have to do this. <laughs> like before, it was just winging it. Like you come into a room at Bedrock, we wing it, we talk shit, whatever. And now it's like, fuck. I don't know. I think I've gotten better. Uh, there's some episodes I cannot listen to, and yeah. maybe I shouldn't have asked those people to come on that early in my inception of like getting to the swing of things. Maybe I should have just had my friends on and like bullshitted until I felt more comfortable. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, Jerry Paper, if you're listening. I'll do better next time. <laughs> I promise right. I'll I do a better interview next time. I think you did. I think you're very good at it. Oh, um, thanks. There, there wasn't really a big, you know, there's no gaps and things. Right. Um, the gaps is what I've learned because like an example, I was talking to Jerry paper and I was like, yeah, man, when you're making your first record and like, you know, and this difference between the second record, like blah, blah, blah. Did you feel like there was like something building, you know, like this next record's going to be really great. He was like, they're all really great. And it was just silence. I was like, okay, yeah. all right. Yeah. I guess all the records are great. I don't know. Like, fuck, like, where do we go from there? All right. Stupid. Remember when you were in the Beatles? Like, Cool. Like, you know, it's like my Farley, Chris Farley moment, you know? I love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really cool. And you, and you know, if this if this um <laughs> if this interview is a little disjointed and chaotic, then it just matches the new Woody and Jeremy record. That's what we're saying. Maybe Let's in pitch my the album. When does the album come out? What June fourth? June fourth. Is that right, Woody? Yes. What label um, is putting it out? We're we're doing it ourselves love it and i think there's a pre-order that's up till june 4th or maybe like a like a week after a week after a week after um slow, folks are you pl- are you going to be shipping the orders yourself heck no <laughs> we got a we got our friends that got a groove uh do, doing the vinyl production and shipping which is cool. good um and the album is good i think it's really good listen to it today it's really good Thank you, sir. Hell yeah. It's my favorite, uh, for all those still listening, an hour and nine minutes in, it's my favorite uh, album I've ever made. Love it. And also, we're going to make better albums later, too. So if you don't like this one, you can get the next one. (laughs) What a way to promote a record. Well, hey, we'll leave it at that. Thank you guys for uh, coming on, and uh, I'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Thank you very much, Ruben. Yeah. Have a good rest of your Friday, boys. You too. Bye.